Long Mike had apparently taken no notice of all this, being occupied with some red liquor that Sam had brought to him in response to his rather boisterous demand, but when he had received his cards he looked at them carelessly and promptly opened the pot for the size of it. When the others had seen their cards, they all came in, up to the dealer, and he raised it ten dollars. Long Mike hesitated, as if about to raise it back, but evidently decided that he was not in a good place for that play, so he merely made good. Gallagher and Stumpy both came in on the raise, but Ferguson dropped. Long Mike then called for two cards, and as Titherton picked up the deck to serve him the three leaned forward again, and watched the dealer's fingers as they had done before. Again Titherton paused, as if he had in mind to resent the insult, and again he thought better of it, and went on with the deal. Gallagher took one card and Stumpy took two, but they did not move to pick them up, keeping their eyes fixed on Titherton. The dealer takes one, said Titherton, and he dropped one card alongside his hand, which lay in front of him. Then the three straightened up and looked at one another, as if greatly astonished. Is thought the Reglar game? asked Gallagher. It is, said Stumpy. Thought is, it's the new rule they've made in Arkansas. Maybe it's Riglar on TH River now, I don't know. In Arkansas the dealer has TH privilege o ta akin a card from the bottom, or the top, ave don't see ut. But how if you see ut? asked Gallagher. Thought depines, said Stumpy. On TH boats they shoot, but on shore the dealer generally goes over the levee, and all hangs on how he can swim. I'll bet ten dollars, said Long Mike, throwing the money in the pot. He had been looking rather confusedly at his cards while the others talked, not paying attention to what they said. But Titherton interposed. Hold on a minute, he exclaimed, laying his hand down in front of him and putting some chips on the five cards. He moved and spoke very deliberately. Will you gentlemen be good enough to explain what you are talking about, he demanded. We will, said Stumpy. We was discussing a new rule in draw poker. Oot were called to moind, said Gallagher, by a slight peculiarity av your digital maneuvers. They said that Gallagher had once been a schoolmaster. You're a liar, said Titherton, that being the next regular move in the game, and, as custom required, he pulled his gun at the same instant and covered Gallagher. Three other revolvers appeared at the same instant, and if Long Mike had not been a person of almost preternatural promptness, there would have been gunplay if not bloodshed in the room. He moved like a cat, however, and Titherton's gun went spinning across the room before he could pull the trigger. Long Mike had seized his wrist and shaken it, and the bones came near snapping. You'll cease your palaver and play the hand, said the big man, as angry as the others. A.V. there's foitin' to do, ye'll do it after. And if ye're after talking a card from the bottom o' the deck, ye'll cape it an oil play ye anyhow. But that Omidhan there, he's no liar. Oil say that for him. But he'll settle why me later for breaking up this play. But this amazing proposition met with no favor from any one. Titherton struggled like a wild beast in his rage, but was unable to free himself, 
though he began to bite at Long Mike's fingers, and the others sprang to their feet. Don't shoot, said Stumpy, putting away his gun. Let's run the spalpeen into the river. And the other two started to help him. But Long Mike was aroused by the pain of a sharp bite, and his temper gave way. His strength was as the strength of seven men, and he, too, arose, knocking the table over as he lunged forward. Seizing Titherton with both hands he lifted him high in the air, and threw him violently against the wall, whence he fell unconscious to the floor. Then the big man made a rush for Gallagher. Oil kill yes this time, he exclaimed, and Gallagher knew that he would. It was, therefore, small wonder that he dodged under Long Mike's arm, and made a flying leap through the window, carrying Sash, and all with him. There was a frantic pursuit, but Gallagher had gained a few seconds of a start, and was nowhere to be found. After a good part of the night had been spent in fruitless search, they bethought them of Titherton, and went back to look for him, but he had recovered consciousness, and had made his escape also. Sure it's a pity we didn't throw him in the river when he were stunned, and he'd never ha knowed th difference, said Stumpy, discontentedly. But Long Mike raged as was his fashion, and called for red liquor many times, breathing out threats of what he would do on the morrow, till the others saw that it was necessary to encourage him in his effort to get a sufficiency of liquor. And when they had finally accomplished this, and had put him safely in his own bed, Stumpy said again, Sure there'll be no such thing as livin' quiet and peaceable in Brownsville till we have a first-class killin'. But oi do be thinkin' it'll not be Gallagher. He do get away too often. A stranger and fond of poker. The Mississippi River Packet, city of Natchez, had been tied up at the levee in Arkansas City for possibly half an hour. The passengers who wanted to go ashore had gone, all but one, and the roustabouts were struggling with the freight under the inspiring influence of the mate's energetic comments. Possibly because of their terrified condition, resulting from the mate's flow of language, but more probably because of their total indifference to consequences, they paid no attention whatever to a short, red-headed gentleman who might perhaps have been born in Ireland and who came strolling from the direction of the boat's barroom toward the single gangplank, now in use by the freight department. Even as they paid no attention to him, he paid none to them, but approached the gangplank somewhat unsteadily, with the evident intention of going ashore. The mate's attention for the moment was fixed on some point at the other side of the deck, or it is a moral certainty that he would have interposed language of sufficient strength to arrest the belated passenger's progress. As it happened, however, there was none to warn him of his danger, and he stepped in debonair fashion on the sloping gangplank, serenely unconscious of the fact that four huge darkies were coming behind him, bearing a case of goods on their shoulders that must have weighed something like a thousand pounds. It is an open question whether they saw that he was in their way, but it is absolutely certain that they recognized no obligation on their part to shout a warning. On they came, jog-trotting along till they were only a single pace behind him, when he either tripped or slipped, and, staggering, seemed about to fall. Had he fallen and so tripped the rousters, the matter would have been serious indeed. Just as he lost his balance, a sinewy hand was stretched forth from somewhere in the darkness, 
for it was late at night, and catching the tottering gentleman by the lapel of his coat, gave him such a mighty and overmastering yank that he darted forward on the double quick for thirty or forty feet, and fell all in a heap on the levee. As he lay there, he was hopelessly undignified in appearance, but he was out of the path of the roustabouts. Quite as if nothing whatever had happened, he looked up at his unknown preserver, who could now be seen indistinctly, and said in a conversational tone, Sure, oi do be think, hick, thinkin' the citizens owe this, hick, this town is domnet hard oop fair popu, hick, population. Does yes get ivory, hick, everybody ashore, loike, hick, everybody, hick, does yes. Here his voice trailed off to a murmur, and it seemed probable to the tall, powerful man who stood over him that he was likely to go to sleep where he lay if something were not done promptly. Promptness, however, was a prominent characteristic of Mr. Joseph Bassett, the sheriff of the county, and the stranger speedily arose, a wetter and a soberer man likewise and angrier. With these various considerations Joe Bassett was no whit concerned excepting that the fact of the stranger having been aroused made his own duty somewhat easier of performance. As the short man began sputtering in a peculiarly red-headed fashion, Joe calmly interrupted him. It's agey in the law, stranger, f or any galut fm often a boat fair to go and get hisself killed on the levee in Arkansas City by a packin' case, or any other murderous we pin in the hands o' roustabouts, or anybody else. Pairs to me you must be a stranger in these parts. Ever been into a town of any size afore? The short man continued to sputter as if nothing had been said, so Joe looked at him with mild curiosity for a moment, and then said, Higher now. That'll be about enough. I'd ought for to arrest you for disturbing the peace o' them roustabouts, but if you've got money enough to settle a hotel bill, I reckon I might better take you there. Have ye? I have, said the little man. What's your name? asked the sheriff presuming on his official position to disregard a point of strict etiquette in the community. Mostly they do be callin' me stumpy, when I am at home in Brownsville, said the little man, whose wrath seemed to have cooled as the water dripped off his face. A.V. thought's a good enough name for Brownsville, sure it'll do here. Come along then, stumpy, said the sheriff, good-naturedly as he linked his arm in the little man's and steadied his steps toward the hotel across the street. The landlord had no scruples against dispensing red liquor to any man who was in the company of the sheriff, and it came about that the three had sundry drinks which Stumpy paid for with great cheerfulness before going to bed. Soon after he had done this, Mr. Bassett dropped in at Old Man Greenhead's saloon, and after some irrelevant remarks reported the presence of a stranger in town.